0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Grace Community Church Wednesday night service. I'm glad you're here, if you're here in person, and uh, it's good to see you. And uh, if if you're watching online, we're glad you're tuning in. Uh, If it's your first time tuning in, we're glad to have you. And my name is Wade, if you don't know what my name is. But we're glad you're here. Let me open us up in a word of prayer, and we'll get right into tonight's message. Father, thank you for another opportunity to get up here and share what you've laid on my heart this week. And God, I just pray for everybody that's here and everybody that's tuning in online that you would open our hearts, Lord, and open our minds and our ears to hear what it is you have to say to us tonight. And God, I pray that you'd help us to to understand what you're saying. I pray that you'd help me to be able to present it in a way that people will understand it. And God, I pray that you'll help us to remember it, and not only remember it, God, but actually put these things into practice so that we can live the lives you want us to live and bear the fruit that you want us to bear God and we'll give you the glory for it and it's in Jesus holy name I do pray amen (coughs) Uh, last week if you were here we talked about chatter in the church and I told you last week you know what chatter is it's the undertone of what people are Really talking about, you know, what they believe in their hearts. Uh, most of the time, it's what they won't talk about openly or publicly, but they get together in groups or behind closed doors and they discuss what they really believe is happening or what they really believe is going to happen. And, uh, you know, we talked last week that unfortunately, a lot of the chatter in the church was about bad times are coming, you know we're supposed to have hope in Christ, but a lot of the chatter that we talked about last week was we were focused on the negative, you know, fear of the future instead of anxiously awaiting the return of Christ. We talked about how people are turning into doomsday preppers. You know, they're not looking for God to come and rescue us. They're looking to try and save themselves, stockpiling food and ammo and just doomsday prepping. And uh, I think I called it last week a They have a little chicken mindset. Uh, They got this feeling of impending doom. You know, the sky is falling. They got a fear of coming judgment with no hope of a Savior and doing everything that they can to save their flesh with no real expectation of any help from God uh, or the second coming of Christ. But we talked about two groups last week, and the second group is eagerly awaiting the the second coming of Christ. And instead of stockpiling food and ammo and things like that, they're preparing spiritually for the return of the Lord, you know, getting ready for the day of Christ's return. And that's what we should be doing as the church and trying to lead as many others as we can into the safety of the Lord too, so that they can be saved on the day he comes back. Uh, one of our main verses last week that contrasted both of those groups was Romans. Uh, Thirteen and verse twelve, <clears throat> it says, "The night is far spent, the day is at hand," and he's talking about the return of Christ. He said, "Since that the night is far spent and the day is at hand, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light." And like I said, you know, those there are two groups, and we're in one group or the other. We're either still in darkness or we have came to Christ, and we put on the armor of light that that verse talks about. Uh, so we're either still in fear of the future, in fear of judgment, or, you know, we know we're fine and we're good in Christ, and we've surrendered to Him and received the Holy Spirit, and we have on the armor of light, which is Jesus Christ Himself, and we're looking forward to His return. And I keep saying there's two groups because there really is only two groups. Uh, we talked about this verse last week too in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30 you know I don't never want you to take my my word for anything but in Matthew 12:30, Jesus said he that is not with me is against me and he that gathers not with me scatters abroad you know there's a lot of people that say I'm a believer I do believe in Jesus but uh, that verse right there Jesus says there is no but. You're either with me or you are against me. You know, we closed last week's service talking about being deceived. And uh, I think that's where a lot of people are right now. And that's what I want to focus on tonight. How we can get deceived, how we can find out if we are deceived, and how we can keep from being deceived. So that's what we're going to be talking about this week. I said last week the very definition of being deceived is that you don't know you're deceived. You know, that's not the definition of it. So I'm going to read you the definition of deceived tonight. Uh, I mean, that is what deceived means. If you're deceived, you don't know it. That's the whole meaning of being deceived. But the real definition of deceived is this, and it's a past tense. That means it's already happened. You know, once you're deceived, that's already happened. It's too late. You've already been deceived. You've already been tricked. Uh, but here is the definition it says to call someone to believe something that is not true typically to gain some personal advantage over them so being deceived uh, deception itself is a lie it's an intentional lie to gain an advantage over you that's what the definition I just shared means and who is the father of lies you know the Bible says Satan is the father of lies And Jesus says so in John chapter 8, verse 44. It says, you are, he's talking to the Pharisees here that were arguing with him because they don't believe the words that he's saying. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And I've heard, you know, preachers say, if, if you're telling lies, you're speaking the devil's language and, uh, because he is the father of lies. And uh, Jesus goes on in the next verse to say, and that's why we won't believe the truth, because we believe a lie. He said, because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Uh, Satan's lying to the whole world, you know, starting with Eve and everybody since. <clears throat> that's why it's so important for us to know God's Word for yourself. You know, I mentioned last week that there are pastors all over the world in the pulpit, not only preaching that certain sin is okay, but they're living in sin themselves. They're call themselves pastors, but they're really enemies of Christ, uh, enemies of God. And people believe them just because they're standing in a pulpit claiming to be men and women of God. You know, we can't believe everything we hear from behind the pulpit. They're preaching lies all over the world. It is very important for us to know the Word of God for ourselves. That way when we're presented with a lie, we can say that's not what God's Word says. And then we can stand on the truth rather than believing a lie. You know, the only defense we have against those lies is to know the truth, to know the Word of God ourselves. And I hear it a lot, you know, and I understand a lot of people have a hard time reading or understanding God's Word, uh, you know, there's cures for that. Get an audio book. You can listen to the Bible. If you've got a phone, everybody has a cell phone these days, it seems like, you know, you can listen to the Bible on your phone. I do that. Uh, or you can listen to podcasts. You can, there's all kinds of different ways you can listen to God's Word without reading it and get the truth in you that you need to spot those lies. Or, I've told you before, and, uh, you know, some people may get offended by this, but it's the truth. I've done this myself. Get a children's Bible. If you can't understand the King James, a lot of people can't understand the King James. Get a children's Bible. And it breaks it down into simple truth. And that really is all the gospel is. The gospel is simple. But men try to complicate it to make themselves look smart and educated. But the gospel is, the truth of God is that God loves you. He's not against you. He sent Jesus to save us. And when you trust him and surrender your will to his, you will receive the Holy Spirit and he will let you know right from wrong. The gospel is not complicated. It is very simple. Men just like, you know, they try, like I said, they try to make themselves look smart and educated and they present it in such a way nobody even understands what they're saying. And that's not what God intended at all. He just wants people to know He loves them and He provides a way to save you. That's what the gospel is. Uh, I firmly believe that complicated theology is what keeps a lot of people from coming to God. But it really is that simple. God loves you. Surrender your life to Christ. Truly surrender it and make Him Lord and be obedient to Him and you will be saved. Uh, I heard a good example this week I heard it on TV. I want to share it with you, but it was a teacher uh, I saw on TV, and I think this is a lot of how a lot of people see their relationships with God. That's how I saw my relationship with God before I actually came and surrendered my life to Him. But she said, "You know, when you take a test, a lot of kids go into the classroom believing that they start with a score of a hundred. And then every wrong answer takes away from that 100, and if you miss so many, then uh, you get a failing score. But that's not true. She says everybody, when they go into the classroom to take the test, you start with a zero. And every right answer you get, you get closer to the passing grade. You start at the bottom and work your way up. You don't get demoted every time you get something wrong. And I think that's a way a lot of people see their relationship with God I know that's the the way I saw mine <clears throat> you know somehow we believe that we're born with a perfect 100 and every time I've made a mistake along my path of life you know every bad decision I make every sin I've committed just separates us a little further from God and uh, you know when we have that kind of a mindset if I think about my whole life and I started out with this score man I'm I'm here now. And that's why a lot of people won't come to God. They think they've already gone too far, they've already failed the test, already guilty, and they judge themselves. And they don't even try to come to God because they think they've already failed. But just like those kids, we don't start up here and work our way down. We're born at zero just like the kids start their test with. And every step we take toward God, Gets us closer to him. Uh, Brings us closer. And it brings him closer to us, too. Uh, James 4, in verse 8, it says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So like I said, you know, every verse you read, every prayer you pray, every effort you put into getting closer to God, It does just that. It brings you closer to God. Any effort you put into trying to get closer to God, it gets you closer to God. It's not wasted time. And every step you take, God takes a step, too. And you're closer to him all the time. But like that verse says, you know, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. But here's what I want to talk about tonight is being deceived. Who is going to wash their hands if they don't know their hands are even dirty? We have to know the truth before we'll know our hands are dirty. You know, a lot of people are just going through life. We talked about it last night in the Celebrate Restoration. We're living life the only way we know how to live it. And uh, we don't know we're in sin. If you don't know, you don't know. And if you don't know your hands are dirty, you're not going to wash your hands. Or who's who's going to purify their heart if they don't know there's anything wrong with it? Or how are you going to even know you're double-minded unless you know the truth? Uh, I don't know how many of you were here Sunday, but Pastor Chris did a message, and he had an illustration. He showed some pictures on the screen of some snipers hidden in plain sight. They were in the picture, but you couldn't see them. You know, they were there, and they were... There to take your life, hidden in plain sight, but you could not see them. And uh, that's what we face every day living in this world. You know, we have an enemy, and he is hidden in plain sight. And the only way you're ever going to recognize him is to know the truth and realize this don't line up with the truth. That's the only way you'll ever know that your hands are dirty or your heart needs purifying or that you are double-minded. You have to know the truth first. And it can't be the truth that comes from the world. Like I said, you've got preachers all over the world preaching lies. The truth has to come between a relationship between you and God for yourself. And, uh, you know, like we said a minute ago, the Holy Spirit will show you right from wrong after you surrender your life to God. Uh, You hear this verse all the time in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. It says, be not conformed to this world but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And like I said a minute ago, you know, before God, we lived life the only way we knew how to live it. We didn't have the guidance of God. We didn't have the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We didn't have the guidance of fellow believers to show us what to do. So the problem is we're already conformed to the world. You know, it says, be not conformed to the world. But most of us, when we come to Christ, we've already, uh, we already have conformed to the world. That's the only way we knew how to live. And we already have a belief system in our minds that we think is the truth. You know, we've been doing a study uh, on Thursday nights at 6 by Neil Anderson called Bondage Breaker. And uh, one of the things he said in that study is before Christ, all of us live life independently of God. And like I said, we do conform to this world. And our minds know that as truth. That's the only truth we know. And uh, But the last part of that verse says we have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And that's hard to do. You know, depending on how long you live before Christ, everything you've learned up to that point is truth to you. You know, all my life I've been told two plus two is four. And some, you probably... Think two and two is four, too. That's what we've been taught. That's the truth. That's what we've been taught our whole life. And, we, you know, that's a simple illustration. But we've all learned things our whole life before Christ, and our minds process those things as truth. But when we come to Christ, our spirits wake up. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 says, When we come to Christ, He quickens us. He brings us to life. He brings the Spirit of God inside of us alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. And we learn the new truth, the real truth, the truth of God's Word, and the truth of eternal life. So we have to relearn a lot of things. You know, two and two is four. But a lot of things that we've learned in the past are not the truth. That's just what we told was true. That's what we've lived, and we've got it ingrained in our minds we have to relearn our brain. That's what it's talking about in Romans 12 too. We have to renew our minds and let God's God's Word teach us the new truth. You know, Satan wants us to believe that this world is all there is. He don't want us to be uh, enlightened to there is eternal life. There is forgiveness of sins. He wants us to think that this life here, this life on earth, is all there is And if that's all we believe and we don't have a savior then our whole purpose in life is just take care of number one you know satisfy yourself please yourself get all you can get enjoy it while you can because life is short and uh, that's what we see all over the world today because people don't know the truth of God and that works you know most people in the world are not after God you can look around and see that And, uh, you know, I used to be one of them, and you probably did, too. So they're not—most people are not after God. They're just after more. Just more. You know, it don't even matter what it is. Just more. It's never enough. Whatever gets their mind off of God, whatever they find pleasure in, they just want more of it. It don't matter what it is. Uh, Remember, we're talking about being deceived. They think, if I just get some more, I'll be okay. You know, I was an alcoholic. For me, it was one more drink. You know, I'll get sick if I don't get it. I gotta get it. I can't say anything but that. You know, that was my focus. That was what I had to do. That was my answer. I'll just need more. And uh, you know, it's the same with drugs. I can't run out, I'll get sick. It's the same with money. You know, I'll be run without it. It's the same with sex, you know. Gotta have more. Uh, people even get do that with vacations. People get addicted to vacations. You know, they get this mindset, if I can just get away for a few days, then everything is just magically going to be better. And uh, only to get back home, and not only are the problems still there, now they seem worse because I'm deeper in debt because of the vacation I took that I couldn't afford. And I took time off from work to go, so I missed that money. And now my life is even more depressing because it's not the fantasy that I just got back from. But where does their mind go as soon as they get home? The next vacation, that'll fix it. So it's always more. It's always more. It's it's never enough. There has to be more to life than what this world offers us. And Satan don't want us to see that. He wants us to be deceived that You know, this world will satisfy you, and it won't. The only thing that will satisfy you is getting your relationship right with God. That's where peace comes from. That's where we learn what love is. Uh, Proverbs 27 and verse 20, that's what it's talking about. It says, hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. Satan keeps people so focused on the things of this world, trying to satisfy themselves, they never get focused on God. They live their whole lives trying to please themselves with something else, keep their mind off of God, and they die in their sins. And, uh, you know, I don't want to do that. I thank God every day that He woke me up, got my attention, and, and pulled me out of that. You know, David said He pulled me up out of a pit. He pulled me out of a... <sighs> Mary Clay, and he he pulled me out of a pit too. You know, we see a lot of that in marriages. Marriages don't last because people don't know what love is. Uh, You know, I've been through four of them myself. I, I honestly don't think people should get married unless both of them are truly surrendered to God and they know what love is. It just don't work out without love, and God is love, so we can't understand what love is and not know God. You just can't do it. Uh, you know, most people when they get married, some of them get married just so that they can have sex. You know, that's not love. That is lust. That is taking care of my flesh like we've been talking about. And uh, you can take those two people and ask them that are getting married just so they can have sex and ask them, say say that's off the table and you could never have sex with each other would you still want a relationship with each other and would you still want to get married and uh, I've done that and uh, they look at you like you've lost your mind they look at you like you're crazy and they'll say why why would you want to get married and not do that they don't want a relationship they just want to fulfill their lust and you know feed their desires God is love You know, we can't understand love until we're born again. And then, now, I can look back and see really clearly why things didn't work out for me. And I can see really clearly why a lot of, you know, marriages are not working out. Because they don't understand what love is. Because they've never surrendered their life to Christ. So, you know, if you're in a marriage without God, it's still, like I said, the same list we had before. Satisfy yourself. Please yourself. Get all you can get. Enjoy it while you can. And as soon as you're not getting satisfied anymore, you move on. You know, we have disposable relationships. That's why friendships don't last. We don't really love each other. That's why marriages don't last. That's why parents aren't raising their kids. They're too busy looking out for themselves. They don't know what love is. Without Christ, without love, then You know, it don't matter what the relationship is, it's not going to last. The Bible says it's the love of Christ that constrains us and holds all things together, especially relationships. And I know I did that myself with my marriages and with my children. You know, I'm not judging anybody. I'm just trying to get you to see the truth. The problem is not that we don't see what's going on. The problem is that we don't know what's wrong. We have no idea we're going the wrong way. You know, we believe a false truth. we got to learn the new truth. Uh, that's another thing that Neil Anderson said in that study that we're doing on Thursdays is you'll never change what you believe until you know what you believe is wrong. You know, you're not living in sin if you haven't came to Christ yet, and this is how you live. Once you come to Christ and you do know the truth, then you would be living in sin if you go back to it. But, you know, the world's full of people that are living in sin and don't even know it. They don't know they're wrong. Without knowing God's Word and knowing the truth, we just simply don't see the danger in things. You know, we get familiar with it, and it don't look like a threat to us. I saw a really good example of this last week, and uh, I want to share it with you. It sounds funny, and it is funny, but it it really pertains to our life. and. Uh, It's really serious. It's funny and serious at the same time. And it might even sound stupid to you when I tell it to you, but I want you to listen to it, because it makes a lot of sense, because we do the same thing in our lives. Uh, How many of y'all know what a buzzard is? You know, these big birds you see flying around because something's dead in the field, or most of the time you see them eating roadkill on the road because something got ran off and uh, you know when you come by in a car they'll fly off. (coughs) Well on my way home the other day I saw a huge buzzard laying in the middle of the road out here on 2570 and it didn't fly off. It got ran over. It got hit by a car and it was laying in the middle of the road dead and uh, that got me thinking and uh, it was like God just downloaded that on me in an instant. You know, that buzzard was born here. It grew up around (coughs) all these cars. And I'm sure when it was a, a little buzzard, you know, it was scared to death of cars. Ah, here comes a car, you know, fly off, fly off. And I'm sure the mama buzzard and the daddy buzzard warned it, you know, when you see a car, fly away. But I think that buzzard did the same thing that we do. You know, it didn't stop seeing the cars. The cars are still there. It just spent so much time around them; uh, it got used to them. It got so used to cars going by every time, it would wait a little bit longer to fly away. You know, it'd start hanging on a little bit longer to that roadkill. And we do the same things. You know, we try to push our limits and see how close we can get before that actually does some harm to me. And uh, eventually. Uh, that buzzard took its focus completely off the car. And it just held on to what was in the road, and it didn't see the danger of the car anymore. It didn't see it as a threat. And it sat right there and let the car run over it. And, uh, you know, all it could see was what it wanted, what it wanted to eat, how it could satisfy its its desires. And I believe a lot of us, uh, and I don't mean this bad towards anybody, I think a lot of us are spiritual roadkill. You know, we exposed ourselves to certain things so much (coughs) that we just got used to it. And, uh, And now it's acceptable. And we no longer see it as a threat. You know, we just got used to it. Like that buzzard, you know, ignored the threat of the car. All it was focused on was what it desired. We do that too. You know, we get so used to sin in the world that we don't see it as a threat anymore. And because society is calling things okay, because even pastors, like I've been talking about, and preachers are saying, this is acceptable, this is acceptable, this is acceptable. And we're like, eh, all right. And uh, we get lazy in our faith. And that's why we gotta know what God's word is. Uh, If we're not in God's word every day, letting him remind us of the truth, know, we're going to be like that buzzer, you know. Six months from now, something that you know today is not right in your heart because God's Word says it's not right. You know, if you're not in God's Word every day, six months from now, you might say, yeah, that's okay. You know, if you're not being reminded of the truth every day, if we allow a little bit of that's not right in every day, six months from now, it won't just be allowed. It'll be accepted. You know, we are naturally deceived. All we got to do is stop reading the Word, stop praying, stop getting around to other believers, and uh, that will naturally creep its way into our lives and we'll start accepting things we know are not right. It has to be intentional to keep the truth of God's Word fresh in our lives. That's why Jesus said you got to die to yourself daily. Pick up your cross and follow me. It's a daily exercise. Paul says we have to discipline ourselves daily and uh, remind ourselves of what the truth is so that we're not deceived. You know, it's a slow fade. It don't happen overnight. You're you're not just going to wake up in the morning and be completely back in sin. But just like that buzzard, we get a little more familiar with it every day until we just don't see it as a threat anymore. And then we allow it, then we accept it, and then we're deceived. You know, we don't even see a threat anymore. But we have to remember, just like, you know, those pictures of that sniper on it. Our enemy is real. He is there. And he's not just there to, to make you have a bad day. He, John 10, verse 10, it says he wants to kill us. He wants to destroy us. He wants to steal any hope we have. And he literally wants to kill and destroy you. But Jesus says... I have come that you might have life, and you might have life more abundantly. So the devil wants to kill us. Remember the two groups. We're either in darkness or we're in light. We're either being killed or we're being led into eternal life. And that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to kill us and destroy us eternally. Like I said, he don't just want you to have a bad day. He wants to get your focus off of God and on this world so that you don't even have a relationship with God. First uh, Peter 5 and verse 8, you know, it says, be sober, be vigilant, you know, be in God's word every day and uh, make sure you're not being deceived. Learn what it says and live by it because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. You know, he wants to distract you from the one thing that can save you, and that is your relationship with God and the truth of God. And I know your problems are real, and we have to deal with them. You know, I've got problems of my own, believe it or not. But we need to deal with them with God. We shouldn't let our problems drag us away from God. You know, a lot of people think that partying and living in sin and all these things are the only thing that separates you from uh, reading God's Word and praying and, you know, having a relationship with God. I see it more often when people have a problem. You know, instead of turning to God, they run away from God, and they focus on nothing else but their problem. They think, well, as soon as I get through this, then I'll go back to church. As soon as I get through this, that don't help. You know, go through your problems with God. Let God help you with your problems. Let Him give you wisdom through His Spirit to make wise choices that will actually help you solve <coughs> those problems. And not make bad choices that only make things worse and drag you further away from God. You know, that car is coming and it's heading straight for you. It's heading straight for me. And uh, all he's trying to do is distract you or deceive you until Christ comes back or your life is over. And uh, that's all he has to do. You know, if Christ comes back and you don't belong to him, then the devil don't have to do anything else. All he had to do was distract you that long Uh, the only way to battle the enemy is with God you know we can't be like that buzzard and not see him as a threat he is a real threat and I, I know I sound like a broken record up here but the best way to safeguard from being deceived is to begin our days with God you know I tell you all the time I don't know if you're doing a devotion or not but if you're not I believe you should start one You don't have to have a devotional book if you don't want to get one. But get in God's Word every morning. Pray every morning. Ask God to help you through your day. Ask Him to guide you through your day. And He will. You know, begin your day with God and invite Him into your day. And ask Him, you know, lead me, guide me. And not only that, end your day with God too. You know, thank Him for getting you through the day. And while you're doing that, ask Him forgiveness for anything you might need to be forgiven for throughout the day. You know, that is a very good way to keep from being deceived. You need to start your day with God and end your day with God. Uh, back to James 4, 8. You know, when you at the end of the day when you're praying and asking God for forgiveness, that's what this is for. Then we can cleanse our hands. We can purify our, purify our hearts and get our mind on a single track where it needs to be you know we think God expects perfection and he don't God don't expect us to get it right all the time he don't require perfection but he does require honesty you know at the end of the day if you've done something that you're not proud of said something you didn't mean to say it don't matter what it is we read it all the time in 1 John 1 9 if you'll just confess your sin to God he is faithful he's not going to condemn you for it he's not going to get on you for it He says he will forgive you, and he'll cleanse you from it. God's not out to get us. He, He wants us to come to him, so he can clean us up. We can't clean ourselves up. At the end of the day, like I said, just get your slate clean, and that way the next morning you can start with a clean slate. And if you begin your day with God and end your day with God, then nothing that happens that day is going to lead you away from God, you know? You start with God, you end with God. And you don't wind up six months from now somewhere you don't want to be uh, with a whole lot of regrets. You know, we're always going to have the truth before us to guide us if we do that and keep us from being deceived. It's when we go for days or weeks or months without talking to God, without praying, without fellowshipping with other believers. That's when we stop seeing the threat. You know, if you don't have God in front of you all the time, then uh, you'll stop seeing there's danger in this, there's danger in that. You know, we'll stop seeing things as a threat, and that's how we wind up being deceived. Uh, I love Proverbs 18 and verse 10. It says, "The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and is safe." So stay safe. You know, run to Jesus every day, seek God every day, and if you're safe in Jesus. That car can't touch you, and you won't wind up being spiritual roadkill like I was talking about. Uh, but back to that little kid in the test that we talked about a while ago, most of us really are like that. We think we started at 100, and you know we just went down on our grade every mistake we've made, and we think we've already failed. But remember, like I told you earlier, we all started at zero. And every step you take toward God gets you closer to Him and closer to His truth. And the more His truth you know, and that, you know, you retrain your brain that way. You know, I like to think of it as a ladder. You know, if you think of it that way, if you started with 100 and you knock down every time you mess up, that's the same as going down a ladder. But we're not going down a ladder. We're going up the ladder. Uh, we can't let our past control what we're doing. You know, we can't do anything about our past. I wish I could do something about mine, but I can't. But I can control today. And, uh, you know, what I do today, I can give it to God. I can let him guide me today. If we're worried about our past, thinking about our past, then we're not going to live for God today. We have to start today and begin your new life, whether you're, new in your faith or if you've been in church your whole life you know I've seen people that have been in church their whole life and they're so focused on the past and things that happened back then they can't do anything today you know focus on today obey God today let him guide you today and like I said whether you're new in your faith you've been in church your whole life whether you're in recovery or not it don't matter just get your focus on Jesus and the truth of God's word and uh Obey what you know. And when you obey that, God will show you something else. And uh, quit worrying about your problems. Just be obedient to God and he will take care of everything else. That's one of my favorite verses is Matthew uh, 6.36. Or 6.33, I mean. So let's not be like that buzzer and get so used to the sin in our life that we just accept it. Uh, bring it to God. Ask Him to help you with it, and He will. I want to share this with you uh, in closing. All the time, people say there's something wrong with me. You know, there's something wrong with me. There's just something wrong with me. I can't get it right. And I'm here to tell you there is nothing wrong with you. There may be something wrong in you. I think there's something wrong in each of us when we come to Christ. But we're all the same. There's nothing wrong with any of us. But there's a lot of wrong in us. Uh, Like we said, you got all these old beliefs that you had, the wrong ideals that we've learned in our lives, things that we've learned have been taught by the world and people in the world who have been deceived themselves. But when you start believing there's nothing wrong with you, but in you, you find hope in that. Because if there's nothing wrong with me, it's just something in me. That's where hope is born. You know, you can let God remove the things from you that are wrong. He can get that out of you and replace it with what's right. There's nothing wrong with you. But there is a lot of wrong stuff in us when we come to Christ. Allow God to remove those things and replace them with His truth. Then you can start living the life you want to live. and uh, A life you don't have to regret or be ashamed of or any of that stuff. But don't come to God ashamed. Come to Him happy because He's glad to see you. If He don't get on you about your past, He just like I'm glad you're here you know God's not here to judge us he's here to help us so come to God and let him remove what's wrong in you because there's nothing wrong with you and uh, replace it with it's right you get truth for the lies you believe you know truth for the false beliefs you've been taught you know we read earlier in Romans 12 too uh, and we've all been conformed to the world. But we got to trust God and allow Him to remove those things and transform us by renewing our minds. And uh, then we will know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Like I said, if you've learned these things all your life, then that's truth to you. We have to learn the new truth of God's Word. You know, I asked you last week to do some homework. Uh, I asked you to prayerfully read Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24 and I'm not going to ask you if you did that or not but I'm going to ask you to do it again this week uh, after hearing this message I hope it makes a little more sense to you you know there may be things in your life you don't know that's not right but God will show you if it's not and then once you know it's not right you can bring it to God and he'll help you get rid of it uh Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24 and you have to give God Uh, the permission to do this, and ask Him to do it, and He will do it for you. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. If you prayerfully read those to God and mean it, He will instantly bring things to your mind. You need to work on this, you need to work on this, you need to get this relationship with them right. You know, And that's a daily thing, too. You know, I ask God every day to show me, you know, where I need to work on. Because as long as we're living here, as long as we're in the flesh, there's going to be something to work on every day. Bad thoughts or bad feelings, they pile up daily. That's why it's important for us to start and end our days with God. And uh, we can stay cleaned up. But I hope you will do that this week. Uh, I'm going to do it again myself. And really think about it, you know, is there something in my life today that would definitely had not been accepted six months ago, or a year ago, or a few years ago? You know, am I being deceived? And uh, the answer to that is, we don't know until we line it up with God's truth. But once we do that, and God shows us something, you know, then the answer is yes, I have been deceived. Then we need to find out, how did I get there, you know? Am I praying the way I should? Am I in God's Word the way I should be? Am I fellowshipping with other believers? And if the answer is no, then that's that's how you got there. And we can prevent ourselves from being deceived. And uh, like I said, that's not a bad thing. If you find out something wrong in your life, that's a good thing. You can take it to God, and He will forgive you for it. And He will remove it from you and cleanse you from it. And then all you got to do is don't do that again. You know, start a new day tomorrow with a clean slate. Our problem is we like to beat ourselves down so much and hold things against ourselves that God has already forgiven us for. So we, tomorrow morning, I pray that you all go home tonight and, uh, you know, get these things confessed to God. Let Him forgive you for it. And start tomorrow with a clean slate. And that's a good feeling when you wake up in the morning, you know, all right, it's a brand new day. I'm right with God. God helped me to stay right with you throughout the day. And He will. If you start to do something wrong, He'll bring it to your mind and say, that's not a good idea. You know, you shouldn't have said this. Or you shouldn't do that. God will lead you if you let Him. But like I said earlier, you know, all we're left with without the Spirit of God is being conformed to this world. So if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I'd like to encourage you to do that tonight. Uh, If you don't know how to do that and you're watching online, it's really simple. All you do is come to God and say, I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner, and I want to surrender my life to Christ. I need a Savior. And uh, if you do that and confess to someone and confess to God, you know, I surrender my life to Jesus Christ, then you will be saved. And I'll give you some verses over that. But uh, it's that simple. All you got to do is ask God to save you and mean it in your heart, and you will be saved. But in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Verse 10, it says, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if you made that decision tonight that you're giving your life to Christ, that you want to start a new life, tell somebody about it, you know, and then confess it with your mouth and you will be saved. And like I've been telling you all night, you know, no matter how badly you were conformed to the world, there's nothing you've done that God will not forgive you for. Jesus Christ himself said, all manner of sin shall be forgiven men. The only thing you won't be forgiven of is rejecting Christ. Well, if you're coming to him, you're not rejecting him, and it don't matter what you've done. Uh, Romans ten thirteen says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you need more proof than that, Romans 5, verse 8 says, God saved us while we were sinners. It says God committed his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, you know, don't listen to the lies about you've got to get it all together, then come to God. Come to God just as you are. It's the power of God that helps us get our lives together. We can't do that on ourselves. So if people are telling you to get it together, then go to church, that don't work. You'll never make it. Come to Christ just as you are and uh, surrender your life to Him that He'll help you get it cleaned up. He'll help you get rid of things you never dreamed you could get rid of. He's done that for me, and I know He'll do it for you, too. But that's my message for tonight. I hope that really helps somebody. And uh, don't forget our homework. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Uh, If you're not sure if there's something in your life you need to work on or not, ask God to show you. He, He will show it to you. And He won't just show it to you. so you know, it's there. He'll help you take care of it, too. God don't just leave you hanging. But that's my message for tonight. Thank you all for coming out in person. And uh, thank you for watching if you're tuning in online. Let me pray for us, and we will be dismissed. Father, I just thank you again for this message that you gave me this week. I thank you, Lord, for helping me to get up here and preach it. And I just pray again for everybody here, Lord, that heard it. I pray for everybody online that heard it. I pray, Lord, that you give us all the courage to prayerfully pray those things to you this week and uh, Lord when you do reveal to us the things in our lives that need to be removed or changed or or whatever they are God I pray that you'd give us the courage to be obedient to you and to do those things and I pray that you help us to not be fearful of it I pray that you help us to trust you with the consequences and know as long as we're obeying you that you will take care of them, and there's nothing to be afraid of God we just thank you that you did love us enough to come and die for us while we were sinners. We just thank you for the salvation that is in Christ. And Lord, we just give you all the praise and the glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.